Hello, everyone, and welcome. You're listening to the Staking Insider, where we provide actionable insights from thought leaders of the staking industry to analysts and investors. Today, we're thrilled to have with us Darren Langley, General Manager at Rocketpool. Rocketpool is a decentralized Ethereum liquid staking provider and one of the biggest names in the liquid staking industry, along with Lido and Coinbase, with about 800 million uh, worth of US dollars staked in ETH and operating more than 2,200 validator nodes. Rocketpool started as a project in 2016, had a token sale in 2018, and its protocol made it launch on November 9, 2021. Darren has 18 years of software development experience. As a technical lead and architect, he has built cloud-based application architecture and digital projects for governments and financial services. He joined Rocketpool in May 2021. In this episode, we'll take a deeper look into Rocketpool and the effects of the Ethereum Shanghai upgrade, how Rocketpool differs from other liquid staking solutions, and insights into key liquid staking market developments. Welcome, Darren. Great to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for, for inviting me. That's fun. Actually, I did actually join Rocketpool in 2008, but I, I, I had a hiatus in the middle. So I, I joined for, for about a, a year or so, and then had that hiatus in the middle, and then came back in 2021. Okay. So I, then. So I was originally, I was a, a developer at Rocketpool, and then I came back as the, as the GM. So yeah, so it's exciting. I was, I was really, really looking forward to the opportunity. Like a glorious return. That's a great. <laughs> That's <laughs> Great, great. <laughs> so explain to our audience, what is the difference between liquid staking and normal staking to start off? Okay. Yes. Well, actually, so liquid staking kind of solves the problem with normal staking. So, so Ethereum staking as it, as it works normally is that it has kind of some high barriers to entry. So I should start why, you know, what is Ethereum staking all about? It's about securing Ethereum. When, when people, you know, do all the, the fun stuff they do on Ethereum, whether it's like trade NFTs or swap tokens or, or do crazy aping into DGNE things. All of those transactions are actually formed into blocks by proof of stake validators. And all of those proof of stake validators are actually staking their ETH and securing Ethereum. And you know, Ethereum has something like 18 million ETH, I think that's staking at the moment. I think that's around like 25 billion dollars or something like that. Uh, and all of that is kind of like economic security for Ethereum. So it, it's kind of how Ethereum kind of works under the hood and it's secure. So that's Ethereum staking. And it's a big deal because that's, that's, it's what, it's what kind of drives Ethereum. But you know, why would, the, the thing is it has some, oh, and that's it, yeah. and for doing that, for doing that, for kind of staking your ETH and performing this kind of technical service for Ethereum itself. So for running this validator and, and doing all that work, you're actually rewarded with new Ethereum. So as, as kind of say, you can pay your costs and all that sort of stuff. So you're, you're rewarded with this new Ethereum and, but there is a, a high capital to entry. So there's, you need 32 ETH kind of minimum and it, you need 32 ETH in like 32 ETH blocks. So you, for one validator, it's 32 ETH, but if you want two validators, it's 30, you know, 64, all of that sort of stuff. So. So that's a, that's a quite of a, quite of a big barrier to entry. The other one is you need to run a node, run this, this validator to actually, to, to actually do it, which is getting easier and easier, but it's still something that, you know, many people are not kind of comfortable doing. And then until Shanghai is released, it's actually a one-way thing. So you're, you're staking, you're depositing, but you cannot withdraw the moment. That changes when the Shanghai kind of hard fork happens. And we'll, we'll talk about that. 
But so that's Ethereum staking. Liquid staking is essentially people who want to stake their ETH, but don't want to actually run a node themselves. What they do is they deposit it with a staking provider. The staking provider then takes that ETH and then stakes it within the Ethereum proof of stake system. They earn the rewards on that. And then they share those rewards with the, with the people who deposited their, the ETH. The, there are some significant benefits with liquid staking. Obviously the first one is that you don't need to run a node and you're just supplying the, the, the ETH. You also can supply any amount of ETH. So you don't have to supply 32 ETH or anything. You, you can supply any. So from as, with Rocket Pool, you can do that from as little as 0 0.01 ETH, I think it is, all the way up to the silly amount. So that's, you know, so you can do any amount. The, and then the last benefit of liquid staking is liquid staking. When you deposit your ETH, you get back this kind of liquid staking token or as a, as kind of like a receipt. In our case, it's the, it's RE, which is our liquid staking token. And you know, you, you can then, you can hold that liquid staking token and it accrues the, the rewards that, that the validators are actually doing. So. You know, the most simplest thing you can do is hold that within a hardware wallet and it'll accumulate those, those rewards over time, or you can then take that and use it in DeFi. So for example, you could open up a CDP in, in maker and borrow die against it. You could put it into an options platform. You could do all those kind of like fun things, that stuff as well. So that's, sorry, I had to kind of lay everything out there for you, but that's, that's kind of Ethereum staking and liquid staking. Mm. So that's in about six minutes, everything explained. That's a very good primer, so to say, for, for audience. And this very was good. the best time I've seen so far. Somebody really going from zero to, <laughs> to one on this. So if we, if we look at Ethereum staking and liquid staking, the market roughly looks, so you can, you can check Dune Analytics, for example, as mm. you mentioned, 17.9 million ETH deposited into staking and you have, you have the number one entity for Ethereum staking is Lido has about 31% market share. After that comes Coinbase. Both of them have their liquid staking token. After that comes Kraken. We had the whole SEC crackdown on staking with Kraken there as well with a 30 million US dollar settlement. And then you have Binance, another centralized exchange that's offering staking, Stakefish, StakeUS, Figment, which is a plain vanilla staking provider, you, so to say, and then comes Rocketpool. In terms of Rocketpool with a market share of currently 2.5% of all staked ETH. And if we just look at the liquid staking providers, it is number three with about 5.5 or 6% Yeah. market share of all the liquid staking tokens. This is like the rough market overview for audience and the field in which we, in which we are moving right now. My question to that is how does rocket pool work as a liquid staking protocol compared to the other two liquid staking providers, Lido and Coinbase? What are the main differences? Yeah. So that's, that's a good question. So, so taking my description before, so in the, the kind of very high level description is that when you stake with a, when you stake with a liquid staking provider, you deposit ETH, you get this liquid staking token back as a receipt. That ETH is then staked by node operators. Okay. Now the main difference, there's a couple of differences actually. So that, that with Coinbase, for example, they are custodial. So they hold the, you know, the keys to the accounts that hold your ETH. 
So that's, that's kind of one aspect of it. And you're kind of handing it over to, to stake that ETH as, as, as the node operators. Okay. Essentially kind of one entity to, to, to stake the ETH. So that's, that's the thing with Coinbase. With Lido, you, you stake the ETH and it goes into like a smart contract. So it's not necessarily custodial. It's custodial in the sense that it's, it's within a smart contract, but you don't have to, it's less, it's less trust involved in that sense because they're, they're not actually holding your ETH. They're actually in a smart contract, which doesn't, you can't do anything but stake it. So that's the, that's the idea behind that. So it's a bit more trustless, but you're still staking it with a small number of entities. So Lido at the moment, I think has something like just over 12, 20 node operators. So each one of those node operators is running thousands and thousands of validators. And so you're, you're, you're kind of spreading across 20 node operators. The difference between, oh, and Lido, the reason why it's kind of small is because they have to have a trusted validator set or permission validator set. So they essentially vet who, who comes into and who can be a operator. They're obviously working on, on kind of a more permissionless model. We decided to do it from the very beginning. So the difference between that us is that anyone can be a node operator with Rockable, but the thing that makes us different is that you know, every one of our node operators brings their own collateral as a node operator. So every validator that's, that gets spinned up is currently 16 ETH of node operator funds and 16 ETH of, of liquid staker funds. The idea behind that is for the, first of all, proof of stake is called proof of stake for a reason. There has to be something at stake. The other thing is that if anything goes wrong, so a staking is, it's relatively low risk. There's, there's very, well, so there's, there's very few risks, but there are risks. And so there, there are things like slashing risk that, that, that come into play. So a node operator can get slashed. They could be offline for a certain amount of time. And that's the sort of thing, which, which kind of reduces the amount, the, the rewards you get and all that sort of thing. So slashing means that they, they take a hit on, they, they lose, I think it's something like 1.5 or 2, 2 E. You have to, you have to go out of your way, kind of get slashed, but it, you, it does happen. The, and in those cases, you need to have the collateral to, to cover that. In Rockapool's case, no, no RE liquid stakers get hit. It's all dealt by with, by the node operator collateral. So essentially their node operator collateral takes the hit when, when the node operator doesn't. So that's, you know, that's the, how kind of Rockapool works. Our node operators are economically aligned. There's kind of built in insurance essentially with other staking providers, you have to rely on insurance, which may or may not you know, cover the, the amount that gets slashed or whatever. And but with Rocketpool, it's all kind of built into the protocol because we, we've gone for a trustless and permissionless model from day one, which is kind of why it took us a long time to build it. <laughs> mm -hmm. So permissionless means anybody could spun up their validator, but economically they are already incentivized to do it in the best way uh, with, uh, yeah, according to all best practices of running these yeah. nodes. Yeah, they, they have their funds on the line. They right. have skin in the game. They, they want to get as, as much of a, of a, like a return on, on, they want to earn as many rewards as possible for themselves because they also get a commission on the, the, on the rewards they generate on behalf of the pool. And so, you know, they are economically aligned to, to do that. They're incentivized to do that. And rocket pool node operators with like 16 is requirement, they receive up to 7.2.6% 7 7 in rewards per year. 
while normal stakers receive roughly 4.68%. How does this work? Where does the, this difference come from? What, what constitutes yeah. the, the difference? So, so currently, so currently node operators receive a, so node operators receive a commission. So node operators for, for performing this, this, this service, running the validator node and all of that sort of stuff and looking after the E, they get paid 15% of the rewards they generate on behalf of liquid stakers. So we're actually reducing that commission Well, sorry. We're reducing the percentage commission in our outlets release. I'll probably touch on it later, but that's actually coming down. But the, yeah, so that, that, that's what the difference is. The difference is that node operators paid the commission and the RE kind of liquid stakers pay, essentially pay that, that commission to the node operators out of like, the rewards that get generated. Like a service fee for running the, the node. That's right. Yeah. Okay. And the talk of the town right now, of course, is the Ethereum Shanghai upgrade. And for our audience, maybe a brief recap here, a set for April 12th, the Ethereum Shanghai upgrade will allow the unstaking of ETH that has been staked on the beacon chain since December 1st, 2020. And especially since Ethereum moved to proof of stake with a merge on September 15, 2022. By that, the biggest proof of stake chain, second largest to Bitcoin, will allow potentially unstaking of 3.3, um, sorry, 33.8 billion US dollars worth in stake market cap according to latest data on stake rewards and the possible effects of this on the ETH price have been widely discussed in the industry and also at stake rewards we had our institutional ETH staking post Shanghai online forum where you Darren also were part of the panel of the liquid staking panel so what would you say what should be the likely effect of the Shanghai upgrade on the Ethereum price so obviously yeah there is going to be quite a lot of ETH coming back from all accounts, from what we, we're kind of seeing, you know, there, there will be, there'll be, there'll be the, this ETH coming back initially, but so from the, the kind of, uh, with the surveys and that sort of thing we've had, you know, some people will sell it, sell some tax. I think a lot of people are actually restaking or thinking about restaking their ETH and, and this sort of thing. So there's certainly, certainly that there's not, there's not that many people that we, that say they're going to like fully withdraw. They, there is this kind of talk of like a great reshuffling, which is essentially withdrawing and then, and then depositing again with another provider. So that there's, there is, there's kind of that, you know, talk of that sort of thing as well. So you see, so you may get some of that movement in terms of the ETH price. That's very, very difficult to kind of tell. I think in the short term, it might, it might budget slightly. We're actually expecting like a massive kind of inflow into staking, which I would, I would see would probably offset most of that kind of, you know, that price movement there. So I think there's, it's very, very difficult to tell, but I, I would kind of, we're, we're expecting like a massive uptick in the amount of kind of stake going into, into the system. So that's going to be very interesting to kind of watch. There's a lot of players that are, so I'm surprised there is 16 million or 17 million being staked at the moment. That's 16 million of crazy people money because there hasn't been until, until like you know, a few weeks ago, there wasn't a date for when withdrawals were, were you know, implemented. I, I'm, I count myself in that crazy money, by the way, but there, there wasn't a date for the withdrawal. Now liquid staking has, has played a bit of a part of that because uh, that was the other benefit of liquid staking is the fact that it, it allows you to withdraw by, by swapping it on the open market as well, which currently, you know, Ethereum at the moment is, as a normal node staker, you can't withdraw until this showing high hard fork. And so, so you haven't been able to do that. And so. 
people who you know, don't like the idea of, of a one-way one ticket, are definitely looking at liquid staking, uh, sorry, staking in general and thinking, well, now that you know, I can withdraw at any point, I'm not locked in for a, for a you know, non-determinate amount of time, then now this is kind of something that I, I'm not happy kind of doing. There's also other, you know, as we said, with the institutional thing, there's a lot of people who for, you know, compliance reasons, organizational reasons, just can't do that. They can't put their money into something that they cannot withdraw from. And so that, you know, that makes perfect sense as well. So once that's kind of happened, those, those reasons are gone. And so there's a very high chance that there'll be a, a very up. We saw a very big uptick in uh, post-merge, post-merge, our kind of TBL just really really ramped up because the execution risk of the merge had, had gone away. And the same sort of thing will happen with Shanghai. The execution risk is gone. The, the excuses are gone really now. There's no, there's no excuse really. So yeah, so that, that we will see come, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. One of the biggest benchmarks is you can use a staking ratio and a staking ratio for all other major proof of stake blockchains are 40% plus. And due to this up until now, yeah, liquidity risk for simply staking your ETH and not being able to, to unlock or withdraw it kept the staking ratio for Ethereum at about 14 to 50. And yeah. it is, it is a reasonable assumption to, to say that after the Shanghai hard fork, with all the institutions now being able to invest and also liquidity risks having gone, haven't gone down for retail investors, that this will also increase to, let's say 40% in some amount of time. Of course, it won't, it won't go directly, but still. So from that staking behavior, this, if all should have a like zero or positive effect on the on the price. And then the other thing that you mentioned, of course, is also, it will be more the independent validator node operators that will unstake and then potentially even restake in the sense of rotating into liquid staking protocols as well. So if any, this is super bullish for all the liquid staking providers for ETH, including Rocketpool. And this now plays into an interesting thing because it looks a little bit like a perfect storm for liquid staking right now. And Lido went ahead and said that they would actually defer unstaking for some time after April 12th, just to make extra sure that, yeah, everything works out fine and they can execute with a minimum risk. How is the situation with Rocket Pool? Are you confident that you will allow unstaking relatively soon after April 12th, or do you also have some deferral time? Yeah, so we'd be, we'd be very close. So we have kind of like a, I guess, a, a technical critical path where we can't before Shanghai and we have, we actually we actually have to wait for a, for a particular point within our protocols lifecycle for us to kind of do it. So, so we'll be probably a day or a day or two after, but the, but we, what we want to be as close to kind of Shanghai as possible so that our motor operators can start receiving their skimmed rewards. Cause that, that'll be the first thing would be these, those skimmed rewards, which would be anything above 32 E. So that is that's something that we're kind of targeting. So we're targeting like, I think it's like a day, maybe it's a day and a half to, to two to two days afterwards. So that that's our kind of launch target, and that we are yeah we're confident at that, at that point. We've we've gone through one testnet and and kind of improved based on that. We've just the last couple of days deployed to our actual main testnet, and so our community are now going through and doing community testing of of Atlas to make sure that Atlas is our release that 
take into consideration uh, withdrawals. And so our community are, are going through testing that and that seems to be going very well. So, so that's good. So we'll do some final testing and, and tweaks and refinements, and then we'll be able to actually kind of release yeah, not, not very, very, very soon after. Do you anticipate some competitive dynamics coming from that being able to move faster than Lido at this stage? I'm not sure. <laughs> it, all, it, all, it all kind of comes out in the wash, I think. I, I don't, I don't know. I'll, I'll let the market decide that. <laughs> yeah, because in from an ecosystem perspective, we have the problem that crypto tends to be power law distributed. So you have the, the first mover or the biggest player taking up 50% or even more of market share, and then it drops off steeply. And in terms of decentralization, we would wish that actually for liquid staking providers, we have some more equal distribution between Lido, Coinbase, Rocketpool, Frax, Anchor, maybe. So it would actually be a good thing if in this way, Lido being the, the big tanker, so to say, that cannot move so quickly, it loses some, some market share to the smaller providers like Rocketpool who are able to move faster in a more nimble way. And it would be even beneficial for the overall ecosystem. Yeah, there's certainly, there's certainly, there's quite a few holes that are being, there are different stages of, of kind of release or development that are kind of coming through. And so we will see more competition within the market, which I think is great. You know, as Rocket Pool, we think the whole staking market is, is a, is a rising tide. And so everyone's you know, everyone's going to kind of benefit from that, that rising tide. We do, we do, we do think that, you know, Lido is, has gotten, or, and, and the community at large think that they are probably too big. As we said, you know, that they threaten the, the, the integrity of Ethereum if they get, if they get any bigger. So there is, there is kind of that as well. And I think the market has realized that community have been very loud about that, right, can rightly so. And I think the market have definitely switching on to that because you know, really is a risk a risk management thing that you need to take into consideration. If Lido gets too big, then it undermines Ethereum if, because they essentially become a, just the way that proof of stake works. So that is definitely a thing. So we do need more, we do need more competitors. We've already said that if we get, you know, it's easy for us to say we're like 2.8% or something. We have said that we would, we would limit if we got kind of too large because we would rather, we would rather, you know, limit our growth than undermine Ethereum. So that's, that's kind of our kind of philosophy on it. So yeah, that, that, but there are many more competitors coming to market. So we will see those, those, those coming. And one other competitor in a way, like not direct, but indirect competitor, Kraken had the settlement with the SEC on their staking program and staking services settled for 30 million US dollars. Settlement, I think is not a, it's not a way that there was a legal case being made that can be referenced to, which is, uh, yeah, all of the legal fine detail there. That's interesting for anyone who's interested in regulation about staking there. I can recommend proof of stake Alliance and Alison Mangero, who gives a great overview of that and also is a bit of the voice for the industry uh, for staking regulation. But what interests me on your case, Darren, now is whether you saw an uptick in, in staked ETH that was being sent towards rocket pool from coming from this SEC crackdown. It's difficult to tell, and um, because we're kind of a permissionless protocol, so, so we don't, we don't, we don't track where people come from. Unfortunately, it would be great to, for, for 
for an analytics and, and product decisions. But no, we, so we, we're permissionless protocols. We haven't, we don't, we don't have much of an idea behind that. We have seen a bit of an uptick kind of across the board. So there, I think there is, there's definitely some movement there, but it's just difficult to, to pinpoint whether that's just, just increased demand in, in adequate staking in general, or whether it is a kind of a based on the cracking decision. Mm -hmm. And last question, what are your plans for the Rocket Pool token RPL? What is its role, um, functions, and yeah, any, any updates that are relevant for, for the RPL token moving forward? Yeah. So RPL plays a couple of different roles. So first of all, RPL is a, a backstop collateral. So, so actually one of the things we're releasing with Atlas is reducing. So at the moment we need 16 ETH from an node operator, 16 ETH from, from a, from the liquid stakers in Atlas, we're actually reducing it to eight. So it's going, we're going to need eight ETH from a node operator and 16 from a stake, uh, sorry, 24 from a liquid staker. So we're actually Technically we'll, we'll three X our capacity in that sense. So that's going to be great for, for, it means that we'll be able to scale a lot faster with that. One of the, the slight changes is that, so RPL, but in reference to that as well, RPL is a kind of a backstop collateral. So if anything goes wrong, generally it's the ETH that gets the node operator that gets it first. And in the most dire situations, and when I say dire situations, I mean like Ethereum hasn't finalized for two, which is kind of a, a very, very black swan event. If, if Ethereum hasn't finalized in an hour, people are jumping up and down. So, so in those situations, Ethereum is, is in deep trouble. You can burn through that collateral. And so even, even 16 ETH. And so RPO actually provides a backstop collateral for that. With eight ETH, sorry, with 16 ETH, you need 1.6 ETH worth of RPL to actually stake with Rocket Pool. So you stake your ETH, your 16 ETH and 1.6, a minimum of six, 1.6 ETH worth of RPL. In Atlas, you need eight ETH, um, but you need 2.4 of the RPL, 2.4 ETH of the RPL. And so what that does is if you basically we've run out of, then we, we then use the RPL as collateral to, to cover, to make sure that our ETH hold as a whole. With that, with that kind of eight ETH and the 2.4 ETH of RPL, we're, you know, supremely comfortable that we've covered all the major scenarios that, that, that Ethereum or most of the major scenarios that Ethereum can go through, even, even a lot of those kind of black swan events. So that's, that's one thing it's used for is this backstop battle. The other thing it is, is for governance. So unlike a, a lot of other governance tokens, RPL itself is not a governance token, but when you stake it within rocket pool, it is a governance token. So if you, if you stake it, if you're a node operator and you're staking RPL and you know, essentially providing value to the protocol, then you, that, you know, that is your, your voting weight. So the amount of RPL that you're staking within the protocol that's being used, you know, within mini pools, within validators is your voting weight. So that's, so that's kind of like the governance also for staking that RPL. It's also kind of like an incentivization mechanism as well. Also for staking the RPL, you, you also get RPL inflation. So RPL inflates by 5% per year and 70% of that goes back to node operators. It's like a, a reward for, well, first of all, to attract node operators, but also a reward for staking the RPL within the protocol. And so, so they get, a, a, you know, 70% of that goes back to node operators as a reward for doing that. So that's, that is the, the kind of roles of RPL. As I said, with Atlas, it changes slightly in the sense that, well, you're taking more 
ETH from liquid stakers, so from 16 to 24. And so you actually provide more RPL in, in that case. And so that's kind of the main, the main difference in the future for RPL is kind of that, that change in mechanism. And if RPL serves as backstop collateral, where does the value from RPL itself come from? If I, if I think about it like that way, people would need to sell it to, to cover losses, so to say, so I have, have value for that. That's right. Yes. So RPO has been around for, for a long time. It's actually, it's had, has had a value for a long time since, as you said, 2018, I think it was actually at the end of 2017, the, 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 the ICO, the, the, the value comes from the fact that people who want to, okay. So as a, as a solo staker, you need 32 ETH. Okay. But in rocket pool, obviously you need eight ETH plus the 2.4 ETH of, of RPL. So you, we've kind of lowered that barrier of entry and to lower that barrier of entry and to, to kind of do that, you, you have to stake RPL within the protocol itself to kind of do that for those, for the reasons that I've said, the, the collateral backstop and the kind of governance and aspects of it as well. So they, that's, and currently there's around, I think it's about 30%, 30% of, of RPL is actually staked within the protocol. And so you know, that access to be able to lower the barrier of entry for staking, to be able to earn commission on, you know, on the rewards that you're staking on behalf of the pool, you know, all of those things are kind of uh, plus also, you know, you get RPL rewards as well, you know, all of those things kind of combine to the reason why people would want to, you know, have RPL and particularly so RPL outside the protocol is, is, has a value, but it's, it's most of its value is if you use it within the protocol. And so, so, you know, there are a lot of people that are splitting up mini pools with this change from 16 to eight, there'd be a lot more people with eight ETH than there, there are with 16. And so, and so we kind of expect, you know, a lot more people to be able to now be able to run validators and be able to secure Ethereum and, and be a part of, of proof of stake. And so the more people that do that, the more people have to access RPL and use the protocol. Got it. All right, closing it off here. What's the best way to follow you and Rocket Pool? Yeah, so Rocket Pool is on Twitter. Yeah, Rocket Pool, sorry, Rocket underscore Pool. I am Langer's Twit on Twitter. So yeah, they're, they're probably the, the key thing. Actually, hit up our website. The best introduction to Rocket Pool that you can ever get is to join our Discord. I, I kid you not, it is a thriving metropolis of, 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 of goings on. So go in there, go into general, ask some questions. If, if you dare go into trading, which is, is kind of like the heart and soul of, of, of Rocket Pool. There's not a lot of trading talk in there. Well, there are, there is trading talk in there, but it's, it's a mixed bag of things that go in there as well. Um, but yeah, so there's, there's a lot going on in the Rocket Pool Discord. There's you know, everything about our governance. We're hyper-transparent. So there's all sorts of stuff going on. Thank you, Darren, for being so generous with your time. We have been speaking with Darren Langley, General Manager at Rocket Pool. If you enjoyed this conversation, subscribe to our YouTube channel for more episodes from the forefront of staking. Follow me on Twitter, that's at Marian underscore Walter underscore, and our team at Staking Rewards. You've been listening to The Staking Insider. For Darren and the audience, thanks for tuning in.